0: It's a pretty simple sermon outline, just four points I want to bring. The first thing I want you to see in this text is that there is such a thing as responsibility and all are called to be responsible. Jesus at this point in his ministry has done miracles here, there, and everywhere. It kind of started in the south of Israel down near Jerusalem when he met with John in the wilderness of Judea, but he's traveled throughout Samaria all the way back up into Galilee, And all along the way, he's been doing miracles. So we have John the Baptist doing miracles, pointing to Jesus. We have Jesus doing miracles, pointing to Jesus. We then have Jesus' disciples being sent out in groups of two throughout all of Israel and even the Decapolis. And what are they doing? Miracles, signs, and wonders in Jesus' name. Everybody knows of Jesus, this carpenter, this carpenter's son, this prophet from Galilee, from some city of Nazareth. His fame is growing. Everyone knows about his miracles, but no one knows about his miracles as, as do those in those cities of Bethsaida, Chorazin. We see that's in the area where Jesus was, was raised. That's in his hometown. And he did more miracles in that region and he did more public miracles in that region than anywhere else. He healed in those cities Jairus' daughter, Peter's mother-in-law, the nobleman's son, the hemorrhaging woman, the centurion's servant, the paralyzed man lowered by his friend, at least two blind fellows, many who were demon-possessed. And in those areas, that's where he publicly turned water into wine at a public wedding and fed the 5,000 and their families on a mountainside. They knew about the miracle-working man, and at first, they liked him. Why did he do his miracles? Because Jesus is a man of compassion. He cares for those who are hurting. But there was another reason he did those miracles. He was validating himself, highlighting himself, pointing to himself, saying, I really am the prophet of God. I really am the Son of God. I really am the promised Messiah and I preach sermons, and you need to listen to what I say. So the miracles pointed to the Messiah and his message. So he did many miracles, and man, did he preach many sermons. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount and find his discourses, I mean, he's preaching sometimes on mountainsides, sometimes in gardens, sometimes in boats by the river. He's preaching in temples and in synagogues and in private meetings at night. He's preaching everywhere, like he did miracles everywhere. But his messages, you can kind of sum them up. And he had lots of different points. He was always saying, you need to be perfectly obedient. If you say you love me, then you better keep God's commandments. Which commandments? All the ones that are written on your heart, even if you've never read the Bible, there's a sense of ethical morality on your heart. You need to mind your conscience. But you definitely need to keep the big two and loving God and loving your neighbors yourself. And you need to keep the big 10, those 10 commandments that were written on stone that were given to Moses and entrusted to him. You need to keep those. And the 613 other ones that are found in the Bible. The civil, the ceremonial, the moral, the principles, the the laws, the commandments, the teachings, the precepts, whatever words you want to use. All of them are important. Yes, you better keep them all. He said, pity the fool. No, that wasn't him. That was Mr. T. But he said, the man who relaxes even one of these doesn't deserve to live. You don't get to relax these commandments. Uh, You know how good the Pharisees keep them? Your righteousness better be better than those people. You better be almost perfect. No, wait, Jesus said. You better be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is what it means for you to be responsible. God gives you rules and you have to be a rule keeper. God gives you laws and you better keep them and you better do it all perfectly from the inside out Every single day with all of your being, Jesus preached it's your responsibility to be perfectly obedient. He then preached it's your responsibility to humbly confess your lack of obedience. That's your responsibility. He said, you don't want to be the person who says, all these laws I have kept. You don't want to be the person who goes over here and prays God I thank you that I'm not sinful like those people. No, you want to be the person who falls down and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Beating your chest, maybe even putting on sackcloth and ashes as you are proclaiming to all, I have a responsibility to keep God's commandments. I haven't done so, so now I have a responsibility to call a spade a spade, a sinner a sinner. I am guilty. That's your duty, that's your obligation, that's your responsibility. He also preached that you have a responsibility then to fear judgment. The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. Jesus is the one who preached about hell more than anyone else. He was always calling people to understand very, very clearly that I have a responsibility I have not kept my responsibility. And now if I'm responsible, I fear God. I do not want to fall into the hands of the just judge who will give me back that which I have earned. Then Jesus says, you have a responsibility to repent and have faith. From the beginning of his sermons back with John, he and John the Baptist were preaching what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was always preaching, turn your faith upon Jesus, believe in me, and you can have everlasting, abundant life. He was preaching, breathe out self-reliance, breathe in reliance on Jesus. He was teaching, have this mental attitude that turns from self-worship and self-legislation, I write my own rules as I worship myself, and self-righteousness, and I'm pretty good, and self atonement, and I can make up for anything bad I've done. He was saying, Turn from that to Jesus is my King. Jesus is the one I worship. Jesus is the one who gives me the law. Jesus is the one who can forgive me of my sins. Jesus is the one who can give me his righteousness. This is what he's calling you to do repent and believe. This is what you do with your obligation, your duty, and your responsibility. And then Jesus was always saying, and once you do this, love God and worship him. Love God and love your neighbor. Yes, you who have been given me by the Father, you who have received righteousness that you don't deserve and condemnation has been given to someone else, you who have been given eternal life and abundant life and you're getting ready to get the holy spirit and you're getting ready to have spiritual gifts what do i want you to do be my disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel love your god by loving your neighbor share grace that which you have received freely give this is what jesus preached These were your responsibilities, perfect obedience, humble confession, fear of judgment, repentance and faith, love and worship. But how responsible were these people? They were irresponsible. Jesus looks at them and says, you know I'm the man. You've seen my miracles. You've heard my message. And yet I denounce you. Whoa. I insult you is a good translation of that word. Oi, vey is the Hebrew pronouncement of judgment. Jesus yells, Oi, vey, whoa. Why is it so bad for these people? He looks at them and says, you have seen so much that you are actually worse than Tyre, Sidon, even Sodom. You're worse than those people. For if they would have seen the miracles and if they would have heard the messages, they would have been more responsible than you. And you people, you're gullible. You're hopelessly optimistic. Do you really think that by your responsibility, you're going to be exalted into heaven? No. You're going to go to the place of the dead. You're going to go to Hades. You're going to go to hell. And I'm even telling you then, when you go to hell, your experience will be even worse in hell than those who were inhabitants of Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. To whom much is given. Much is required. You had a duty. You had an obligation. You have not been responsible That's the first truth that you see in passage, this passage. Jesus is looking at people saying, I'm here. There's a right way to respond to God, his law, his holiness, his gift, which is Jesus Christ. And you people are irresponsible. Jesus then transitions. He begins to pray. This is where we see the second point. All... responsible. Some are enlightened. Jesus starts praying, and he gives thanks. Oh, heavenly Father, I thank you that you have a will, an intention, a desire, a plan of action, something you want to accomplish, a decree. I thank you, God, that you have a will he doesn't say this, but he knows this. And I know that sometimes your will is that of justice, judgment, anger, and wrath. I've already talked about Hades. You have a will that involves retribution for those who are irresponsible. But that's not what Jesus gives thanks for in this passage. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have a will and it is gracious. That there are things that you do that are Undeserved, that are gift, that are gospel, that's good news. I thank you, Father, for your heavenly will. Then he says, and I thank you, Father, that you actively hide truth from some and reveal truth to others. Did you pray that during your Thanksgiving meal? <laughs> God, I thank you that you're hiding truth from some while revealing... That sounds a little odd, doesn't it? But God actually hides truth from those who don't want to learn, from those who are consider themselves wise and understanding. Know-it-alls. And God reveals truth to those who are like dependent, teachable children. He actively hides. He actively reveals. You could go to maybe Israel, Egypt and see where God actively reveals hardens, and he actively softens. Jesus said that's why I give parables, because I'm presenting truth to some while hiding truth from others, which is why Jesus then says, and I thank you, Father, that I participate harmoniously in your plan of showing more grace to some than others, of hiding truth from some while revealing truth to others. That's what I do with you, God, I mean, that's what he says. The Father has entrusted all things to me. I'm the sovereign over heaven and earth. And no one knows the Father like me. and No one knows me like the Father. But I have a mission. I have been granted all authority to take anybody that wants to be with God, anybody that I want to be with God, and I get to usher them with me into glory so that they share the glory and enjoy the intimacy, the fellowship with us. And I, as the sovereign one, still get to share God's glory with whoever I want to reveal. You could keep going on in the New Testament and the Old and find out that the Holy Spirit does the same thing. And so what do we see here? Not all are hopelessly lost because they're irresponsible. All are responsible. All have a responsibility. That may be better said. None are responsible. All are responsible for their irresponsibility, maybe we could say. But not all are lost. Because some are enlightened. At this point, all the Calvinists in the room are going, amen, amen. And all the non-Calvinist Arminians in the room are going, I freely choose not to believe that. Jesus doesn't try to explain it more. All are responsible or have a responsibility. Some are enlightened. Their eyes are opened. They receive some help from God. The third truth we're going to see is Jesus then invites all. All are invited. Every single one. You heard James read that. Come to me. Come to me all who are heavy laden and labor." and I will give you rest. It's a universal invitation. It's a universal command. There are people who are laboring. They're like slaves under a taskmaster. They're giving it their best shot. They're giving it their best go, wearing themselves out, exhausted, and you know what? They need rest. And there are people that are heavy laden, They're like the big dump truck trying to go up the hill towards Asheville where they're in that far right lane and you're passing them with ease as they're just barely making And You're wondering, are they really going to make it? They're like a wagon that has stuff falling over the sides. They've been loaded up like a beast of burden. They're exhausted and they need rest. Jesus is speaking to those people who know that their conscience tells them what to do and knows they have two big laws and ten big laws and 613 big laws and and, and they can't keep it straight and they're trying hard to, to work for God and perform for God and obey God, but they can't get it right and they need rest. Jesus is speaking to those in other places where he says, you're tied up with heavy burdens that are hard to bear, these things that have been laid on your shoulders. In another text, he talks about yokes on your necks that other disciples and even our own church fathers have not been able to bear. And that day, in addition to all those rules, the Pharisees and the religious establishment had loaded them up with even thousands of more things to do, how to keep Sabbath. Here's 700 things to do and not to do. And they're absolutely worn out, religiously exhausted by non-biblical, non-essential rules thrust on them by religious leaders. They're trying so hard. Can I do good enough so I at least feel good about myself and give myself a hand? Or they? can I at least do enough good so I can look at someone else and say I'm better than they are? Maybe I can do enough good that people will notice my good works and applaud me and say, that guy's really good. That's what I need. Maybe I can do enough good works that God will look down from heaven and stand and give me an applause and say, well done, my child, my good and faithful servant. And you're trying and you're struggling, whether it's to keep God's laws or man's laws or your laws or somebody else. I don't know where they come from, but all of these things that we try to do to give ourselves significance and purpose and identity and meaning and value, and they're worn out. And they need rest. These are the people to whom Jesus speaks. But these are people who are trying to perform and failing. And they're pretending. They're posers. I'm good enough to be exalted to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And Jesus looks at these people that are loaded up and heavy laden and weary and need rest who are posers, and he's saying to them, no, you've not kept God's laws. You've not even repented. You've not had faith. You don't fear judgment. Jesus looks at them and he gives them, these irresponsible ones, even these unenlightened ones, the invitation, the command. Come to me. He doesn't say, come to my church. He doesn't say, come to my doctrine. Now, all that's important, but you can come to church and you can come to doctrine without coming to Jesus. But if you come to Jesus, you will come to his church and you will come to his doctrine. They're they're connected, but they're they're not the same. So this is a personal command. This is a, a man, Jesus, looking there, offering you a gift, the generous son. And he's saying, you who are worn out, Don't go to the law. Don't go to your rules. Don't go to your rituals. Don't go to your institutions. Come first to me. And if you come to me, I will give you rest. I will respond to you as a gentle and lowly and easy and light God. Oh, I am not always gentle, easy, and light to everyone. There will be some who feel my wrath there are some upon whose head i will be hard when i bring my rod and my staff but for you who come to me i promise you this rest and a yoke a burden a teaching that is light and easy oh no, 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 don't, don't, oh, don't overthink this. I'm not promising you prosperity theology. War with the world will still be hard because they're coming after you. And, and your world, war with the devil, he hates you. It's like a roaring lion. He wants to devour you. And your flesh, you still have to go to war with it. And it's not easy. It's a wretched battle. And uh, I can't wait till the day I go to heaven and I'm done with this battle. Don't for a moment think everything's light and easy. Walking with Christ is, is tough. But I'm not tough. My laws aren't tough. My yoke isn't tough. My teaching isn't tough. I got some illustrations here. I, I, when I put my yoke on you, that's like putting a life preserver on you. No one complains when they're drowning in the ocean about the life preserver that's placed on their shoulders that helps them float. It's a yoke that's easy and light and helpful, or a parachute. Uh, If I ever fly with Walker, I want to make sure either I have a parachute or the plane has a parachute, but if we're going down, I won't complain about putting the parachute on. It's a gift from God. In John, Jesus' favorite disciple, he writes, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, when I'm lost on a highway and need to find help, I don't find myself shackled by Waze or Google. I find submitting to their leadership actually quite delightful and helpful as it takes me to the place I want to go. I don't have a dog. I'm not a dog lover. But I do remember when I had a dog, and every now and then Shadow would go find his leash and bring it to me. That was not an act of surrender and hard submission. That was him coming to his master saying, can we go out and I love it when you put this thing on me and we walk together. This is what happens when I get on an airplane and I place myself in the hands of a capable pilot and he says, put on your seatbelt and we're getting ready to go. It's a sweet submission to someone who has my best interests at hand. That's what Jesus says when you come to me. I am not your harsh taskmaster, and I am not your judge condemning you. I am your teacher, your counselor, your coach, your friend. Oh, you still have a responsibility, but I'm the responsible one who's done for you what you couldn't do. And now I will take responsibility for you to do for you what you still can't do, and I will see you home. Yes, I am your Savior, and yes, I am your Lord, And yes, I have a yoke. And yes, I have a burden. And yes, I teach. And you will learn from me. But I am gentle and lowly, easy and light. And I give rest for your souls. So what are you going to do with this? In Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Jesus was looking at his friends saying, repent. Jesus is looking at people here who do not know him as Lord and Savior, and he's saying, repent, do something. In Revelation 22.17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus is still looking and he's saying, come. Arrogant Calvinists mock the invitation. They act as if some church somewhere is sinning when they call people to come forward and kneel. I don't find in Scripture where that's commanded. I don't find in Scripture where that's forbidden. I do find in Scripture where giving an invitation is what Jesus does as he commands people somehow to respond to the man, his miracles, and his message. And so here is Jesus on this Christmas season, in this Christmas season, and he is standing here. We talked last week about the generous Father who gives. We have Jesus right now looking at all of you who are sin-sick sufferers who have been irresponsible, and he is sitting here with a gift, and he's standing at the door, and he's knocking And he's saying, open the door. All have a responsibility that they have not kept. Some are enlightened, but you don't have to figure out who those enlightened are. You get to do what you want now as he offers you an invitation. And maybe there is someone here right now whose heart and mind is being enlightened by the God who enlightened some. And you want him. Be responsible, repent, And believe, and rest. Today is the day of salvation for you. That's the third point. But now the fourth, we are re-invited. All are responsible. Some are enlightened. All are invited, and everyone here is re-invited. In Galatians, we talk about those people who were freed from the burden of the law, free from the burden of performance, who have now placed themselves back in bondage. Whoo, that's me. If you ask me, am I a man at rest, the answer would have to be, nope. My soul is still messed up, and I don't think I'm the only one. How many of us want to beat sin and are weary because we can't? We're trying to discount our sin, but it won't go away. It just keeps being, we keep being reminded. We try to hide our sin, prove our worth, keep our family straight, build Christ's church, save Christ's world, make America great again, figure out all the theological mysteries, shepherd and counsel without flaw to those who come our way, make a living, keep a living, keep ourselves from trouble tomorrow. We're trying to stay young or at least stay alive We try to find satisfaction from idols. We're trying to keep all relationships straight. Man, I don't know what your list is, but that's mine. As I am just absolutely worn out, heavy laden, fall into pieces sometimes. And this week I heard Jesus Christ saying, hey, come back to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, I have rest for you. And that's what he's saying to you. He's almost saying, get saved again. Not really, but kind of, come back to me. He's re-inviting you here at the table right now. Christ is saying, I am responsible for you. And it's Christmas, I stand at the door knocking again. I stand at the door enlightening you, my friends, again. I stand at the door giving you faith and repentance again. Will you open the door? Will you accept the gift I'm responsible. Come to my table and have a seat. I'm responsible. Come to my table and remember what I've done for you. I'm responsible. Come to my table and remember my promises. I'm responsible. Come to my table and be refreshed by the wine. Come to my table. Be nourished and strengthened by my food, which represents me, and I'm really the one. When you come to my table, that stuff doesn't do anything. I'm the one who refreshes and nourishes you. Come, come to me. Learn from me. Be the teachable child instead of the understanding and wise fool. Walk in my yoke. Share my invitation with others. Give it out freely. What you've received, let's give it to everyone. Yes, worship. Yes, love. Yes, obey. Yes, serve. Yes, fight. But no, not today. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, laboring and overloaded, here I stand with my gift in hand, which is me. Come to my table. It's time for rest for our souls.